Everybody, welcome back to another episode of the Music Biz Weekly Podcast, brought to you by HypeBot.com. As always, huge shout out to everybody over at HypeBot, Bruce Thank you, and Bruce. everybody. You guys do an awesome job. Thank you for everything you've done to support us. It's probably what, Jay, been over a year now that... Yeah, it has, and we love them. We go so there every thank day. You, thank you, everybody over at HypeBot. Thank you. Um, so, Jay, we are once again joined by, well, this week, a couple special guests. Yeah, we have two special guests this week, not just one. We have John and Anthony. There we go. That's Anthony, and that is John. There we go. From Candy Shop. Welcome, guys. Thanks for uh, joining us. Thanks for having us. Let's talk a little bit about Candy Shop, and and for those who don't know, um, I noticed, you know, from your website, you work with some great artists. It looks like management, but on the bottom of the page, there's a little thing about a record label. Tell us a little bit about, you know, Candy Shop. Uh, candy Shop management, we started uh, about six years ago, six, seven years ago, something like that. And uh, basically, John and I were both managing at the time. He was kind of full-time. I worked at a record label, and we found a, a band that we both loved. And decide to partner up. We've been, you know, friends. I say friends is a loose friends, friends. <laughs> in air quotes. Publishing company I worked at in a, in a much former life. Uh, we published one of John's artists, and um, so we found this one band. We loved them. We decided to partner up, and then as things rolled along, uh, the label I worked at kind of disappeared, and we've been doing it sort of full time ever since. Uh, we have, I think, we have something like. 45. <laughs> 15, no. 15 artists if you count all the side projects and, and whatnot. Sure. So it's kind, of, it's kind of a lot. We counted uh, how many actual, uh, actual uh, 30, 30, people 37 we managed. People. Is it 37? It's 37 people. So collectively, between all That's the artists, we're in charge of 37 uh, individuals. Souls, lives. Which is scary. <laughs> so you're pretty busy. Because John is, um, I was going to say a masochist, but a sadist. Um, a sadist. sadist. He uh, decided that we should have a record label. Uh, we have a lot of um, small developing artists, um, and what we'd find ourselves happening was something would take off, or some something would start get on a playlist, and we had no infrastructure to build around it. So if something happened in a foreign territory, we we're scrambling trying to find people on the ground that could help us. So we figured, let's get a label. Let's go, you know, go talk to our people, friends at Cobalt, and get something set up. For two reasons: one, to you know get help if something actually started to happen, and also to get their actual direct input and finances on things that we wanted to put out. And so far, we've basically put out um, some records that were are sort of lower on the tier, unfunded, that are developing, mm -hmm. and a couple that we're actually you know tapping into their resources, including um, a couple of our you know bands, the Mowgli's and uh, the Rocket Boys. So. It's been it's a lot of work for two people to deal is with. Is Cobalt your distribution partner globally? Yeah. Yeah. And is that under like the AWOL moniker? Yeah. Um, basically, the, the way that uh, the AWOL system is set up for us is that we have a we as Candy Shop Recordings have our own uh, label, and basically we can pipeline you know right. the different tiers of artists that we're going through. So. Like it was saying, uh, the the base a wall is just um, distribution. So there's no right. funding associated with it, and basically it's just a portal for us to put. Sure. But if you get to a certain level, isn't it true that they can kind of step that up, right? 
Well, that's that's the way, and then so the, the way our system is set up is that we have uh, a certain number of artists that we we can get funded by Cobalt. So they give us basically um, a fund for third party uh, marketing, radio, things, and then it's up to our discretion how we spend that money uh, in conjunction with what the what the artist would like to do. Um, and I mean, basically that's it. And I know that, you know, with Cobalt, it, again, as Ann was saying, the reason that we, we wanted to go into a structure like this was so that we had access. So if one of our artists funded or unfunded, um, starts really popping off and streaming or mm-hmm. you know, we you know, stumble upon some sort of radio hit, um, we can go to, to Cobalt and they will give us more money if, 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 if the need was there for that. Right. So, now, right. now, is it? It seems to me over the last decade or two that more and more management companies are taking on the role of being coming closer to a record label, as as record labels um, deal with all of the changes in the industry and the downsizing and everything else. It seems to me management is now realizing, well, we can't count on the record label to do everything for us, we're going to need to do it. Is that, is that sort of what you've seen too and experienced? I think, yeah, I think it's a combination of a couple of things. I think for us, it's, you know, it's an old story. I mean, I've been doing management for, you know, almost 30 years. And in that time, you know, you're responsible for a lot of what happens, you know, regardless of whatever the level of record label you have, you know, you're, you're still the same, you know, know, the, the central point, of a lot of the marketing ideas, just putting everything together in conjunction with the label. It's a you know partnership. I think you know that's what the services that a record label might give you have dec- you know diminished significantly. Sure. But the amount of what they take in terms of the the deals that they have has you know escalated. So you know in the last ten wow. years we started to see things like you know, 360 deals where they're participating in our touring or our merchandising and all that stuff. Yet we're still, the output in terms of what we're providing them was the same or more. So for us, it's like, you know, we don't want to be a record label under any circumstance. I don't think that there's probably anything we're less interested in doing. (laughs) But we're in a position where, you know, for, for our artists, it, it makes the most sense that somehow they have more ownership. And so our sure. deal, even though I would loosely call it a record deal, isn't really, I mean, it must be the most artist-friendly deal that you could probably find right now. Right. <laughs> put it up yeah, against the, any label. The deal. whole point was to kind of be, I don't know what we've seen is that schism in the business where you've got some people circling the wagons and trying to get as much as they possibly can, knowing that people will do these deals, but try mm-hmm. to get as all the rights they can. And then the other side of it is a lot more of the understanding that if we create maybe a more equitable relationship, people will want to stay. And that's yeah. what the deal basically provides is let us put out the, we'll put out as much as we need to, but if someone else comes along, could do a better job, a bigger job, or even in the perfect world, maybe if they want actually upstream to the very top tier of AWOL, that's kind of yeah. the, the goal. Yeah. Right. When did that kind of evolve for you? You know, the the last few years, we've seen a dramatic decrease, you know, in downloads and we've seen a less dramatic drop in physical sales. And, you know, streaming, of course, has taken off. Was that kind of the impetus to kind of for you guys to kind of pivot and get a little bit more involved and take on some of these kind of label services? 
Streaming is everything now. I mean, I think it's been heading that way for a long time. We, I can't remember the last time I looked at SoundScan. Uh, yeah. How many records you sold this week for people like us? For the we, bands we, we don't care. It doesn't mean anything. And what I think is always fascinating is that, you know, when you release a new record now through um, Spotify or Apple, whatever, but on Spotify particularly, you can actually see as the streams click through. So we have this kind of metric where it's gone from records per week to streams per minute or something. And I keep advocating, I want to get like a little speedometer thing there. Sure. Sure. Fast, how fast people are streaming it. But we're not a physical label and we have no interest in being a physical label. Um, we do... Oh, you do no physical at all? Like no. not even venue bands, sales? Bands no, the, 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 yeah, the bands, the bands can keep their physical rights. We, we, we have no interest in... in Interesting. And again, for us, it's because we're managers and we manage the acts that we we have on, on our label for the most part, although we're open yeah. to to picking up the artists that we don't manage, um, it it just it it's not worth the headache. And we're also getting paid the same. You know, we'll we'll get a, a commission as a manager on on the physical side, whereas on the digital side, we're getting you know we're participating as a label. So understood. We don't let those cross. Is basically how we we try to make interesting. Yeah, I think that's going to be you know you're early on into something where I think everybody's kind of headed. You know, that that's that's where the revenue is being generated. But, you know, if you're not doing 360 deals um, or are you doing 360 deals? I mean, are you participating in merch and in sync licensing? And we uh, from the management's perspective, yes, we're all encompassing. We do everything. But not the record company. No, 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 no. no. The, the label has. Well, there is a there's a provision in the in the deal that Cobalt can elect to pick up an artist for that if they want but it hasn't happened yet and I understood they're, they're a huge company we have a lot of publishing clients through there as well so we get to see both sides of that uh, that business worldwide and it's only growing and bit getting bigger so i think uh, you know for us it's it's a lot of work to do all the licensing it's a lot of work to do all the accounting it's a lot of work to do everything and sure if it's on the label side or it's the management side we find ourselves embroiled in obviously prepping all of those things we've got a really extensive cheat sheet of every box that needs to be ticked off at this point because and uh we've been through the systems you know the major systems so many times and we've seen the mistakes that get made because they're trying to put out a lot of music and things yeah. will glitch out constantly we've had that with a lot of our artists through all the systems really but mm -hmm. we just try to be as diligent as possible because we know i think john's i've tried to learn from john's attitude which is things will go wrong. You just have to be able to fix them when they go wrong, you know, as opposed to try to make sure nothing ever goes wrong. You'll right. never, you'll, That's you'll never right. spot. There's always going to be a, a moment where, you know, even though you think you have every, you know, I dotted and every T crossed that. That's you know, right. It's just not a perfect. Yeah. System. But I mean, we, we, we don't only work, you know, we, we don't only put out our records. We deal with, you know, TuneCore, we deal with CD baby. We deal with a sure. lot of different distributors and, it's all basically the same thing. So whether it's our own label or we're just managing the bands that are going through those distributors, yeah. it's pretty much all the same stuff. It yeah. doesn't really deviate that much. Now, as as we were kind of setting up and prepping for, for you guys joining us, one of the things that we discussed, which I thought was a, was a great discussion point, was was how you've been able to, to pivot and guide the careers and finances of your artists as as the music industry and revenue streams keep changing. Um, I'd love to dig into that a little bit more and kind of get you know get your insight on on how it's changed and and 
where revenue streams you think are going and 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 that that whole world i mean because i think what it comes down to today artists are just they don't know what's going on well i shouldn't say they it, that's a general statement but so many artists don't know i mean they're just they're afraid of streaming all they hear is fractions of pennies i'll never make any money off of this and i'm not selling cd's and I can't afford to tour, and you know they're throwing the towel in because they think there's no revenue out there. Right. I, I, I don't know. It's almost it's funny. You'd almost think if I was a conspiracy theorist, you would think that that was generated by the record labels. labels. No, <laughs> I'm with, I'm with you. <laughs> we 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 you know I mean again it's not like we're we're not be, you know we're not millionaires from this yet, but we do we do really well, and I think for us our 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 level of determining success with our artists ultimately comes from the financial side and if we're if we're working with an artist that over a couple of years of us working with them doesn't have to have a day job that's a big success for us at this point you know but it's also hard to you know maintain a business that's based on commissions when your artists are making that kind of money it's a working class business is what we sure do. And so for us as a management company, it's about volume. In terms of dealing with how to get an artist to get to that point, you know, there's so many different variables. But, uh, you know, we carry ourselves with a lot of pride in the fact that we took a band, like, for example, the Mowgli's, who, when we first signed them, they were, how many, eight members? Mm -hmm. There were like eight members in this band. And I can't tell you how many times people would come up to us and go, but there's no way that they'll ever make any money. There are too many of them. And I can say with, with, a, with a significant sense of pride, we, we never took tour support from our record label. And if we did, it was like so, maybe one situation. Um, we've, they've always been in the black. They've, they've consistently turned a profit. We've had two, uh, two deals for them, one on the publishing side and one on the label side. And both those deals were significant, recouped, and we've been, you know, earning royalties on both our major label deal and on the publishing side, where we actually got checks, which I thought at the time was kind of insane. You know, I mean, that's that was something to be like, hey, look at this. We we actually have a check from from a record label for a band that's, you know, has eight members in it and now six, but eight at the time. Um, toured a lot and our touring was always profitable we didn't they didn't go at a loss it wasn't even break even they would come back from tours and make money um, how that happened is that we were really we were cognizant of costs we were really clear with the artist and made you know I think they we helped them make decisions on a financial level that were long term. We we trained them to look at how they toured in a way where it was like, well, you might not be the most comfortable, but you're going to come home and be able to pay your rent and maybe put some money away. And and right. we always took that sort of you know. Well, that's basically the, the attitude, isn't it? Like that we're we're basically cheap. Um, <laughs> we, you know, we're, we're frugal. Not, we're not frugal. Legal. Yes. Worked with the label, the major label systems in the '90s, where you'd spend a half a million dollars making a record that would never come out, and. I'm glad that's gone away. You know, we yeah. look at line. We want the bands to make money immediately. Back to what you know, to what you were saying about you know fractions of pennies. That's sort of the, I think for us is the big myth. It's fractions of pennies, but 
and I can't tell exactly what it is, but say, say it's 200 streams equals selling a song. We have artists that would never really sell that many songs, never downloads, not that many uh, physicals, but they get on a playlist, they get on another playlist, they get on the Spotify radio, they get on an Apple playlist, and these things slowly over time increase. And those fractions of a pennies become pennies, becomes dollars, and become significant amounts of dollars. I think the, the disconnect, and, and this is the sort of thing we've noticed immediately, is the disconnect is when you know 85% of that money is going to a record label. Yeah. Then it's mm-hmm. then it's marginal. When you replace <clears throat> right. all of that, that's that can be significant. The other thing about and I know Apple is sort of going this way, but the great thing about Spotify is the you know just easy cons- well, you know artist access to the metrics is phenomenal. Right, um, Spotify you know, artist for insights. Yeah, yeah it's, it's fantastic. You tally that with your Pandora insights and your, in, mm-hmm. your tube insights, and you start sitting there and putting all this wonky stuff together and then then you pretty much have a good idea that yeah. okay maybe that maybe we're not wrong maybe we can go to brazil or maybe we should go to london or maybe we should you know avoid florida you know um, for other reasons i guess but, um no offense to anyone from but that's a good point you know it's, you it's you learn from those insights we never had those before no and we we you or you'd have to track down the label and you'd have to wait till the end of the accounting period and you'd have you'd really have no idea and people would come yeah. and go I mean, the labels invested a lot of money in having those um, those departments that would analyze that stuff. But mm-hmm. if you're a new band, all you know is, okay, well, you know, we've got slightly more women than men listen, and everyone's in the 24-year-old age group. Mm-hmm. There's nothing that you could really use. So those fractions add up. Um, we're always, you know, we're always sort of monitoring you know, and trying to figure out what, you know, what a stream is worth. And no one really knows. And it depends on the country. And it depends on, you know, all sure. the Practice, but you kind of know that if you're selling, if you're doing a million streams, you're maybe seeing about forty five hundred bucks. That's about right. Yeah, something like that. And Apple is a little higher. And so one one thing we've we've seen recently is that just the uh, the summer artists is that Apple, which we always used to peg at what about ten to twenty yeah, percent. Yeah. If you're lucky. So, yeah, sometimes we're hitting like forty, fifty percent, or even more um, coming from Apple. Which we don't, you know, again, they don't have you don't have quite the access there. Um, yeah, it's coming. Yeah, but hopefully soon. But yeah, you know, let me. I was just I was just going to say that I think one of the big disconnects is is young artists who think, well, if I had a million streams and I only made forty five hundred bucks, I would have sold a million singles. Right. And 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 it's like, but how do you how do you even put yourself in a position to think you, you would have sold a million? No, it's it. That's it. And we've seen the commitment level. And again, we're all from a different. You know, we we all came up in a different era. So we, you know, we probably had to get over the idea that people don't listen to albums as they're intended. People are picking tracks. Um, it annoys the shit out of us to um, to think about. You know, the fact that people will listen to one song and never click on one other song, just not do that one next yeah. step. Um, but you've got, you know, we look at you look at your playlist, and you've got a, one that's that's got 50 million plays, and the next one has got, you know, 10,000. That drives us crazy. But that's the that's the world we're in these days. And the right. trick for us as as, <clears throat> as managers is to try to figure out a way to take those 50 million plays and create a a, a business around that because it's right. difficult. You're you still there's still that you know you have to jump that bridge or, or create that bridge that 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 gives you the opportunity to take those 50 million plays and, and, and have like a touring base. Right. Something. And well, you know, yeah, we, we work in a, in, in the live world, 
a big portion of our income derived from touring. Um, it's old. It's old school. It's merch and touring is still a big. Mm-hmm. You can't percentage. you can't pirate a live exactly experience and a load of t-shirts. Yeah, and yeah, as as Jeff you can pirate those. Off, uh, yeah. me. You can't you can't download a t-shirt. Oh. And I'm, well, not yet, but eventually I'm sure you give can. it time. Um, but yeah, I mean, for us, it's always you know going back to, <clears> to how do you how do you talk to an artist and explain to them how things work, and a lot of it. For us, is educating artists. We always come to to, to bands and, and and artists that we work with, with the intent of, of getting them to understand their business. And I think that that's a big, you know, uh, part of it. In the yeah. olden days, you know, back when we would do you know uh, six figure deals and those kinds of, or seven figure deals, artists didn't care about their business. It was really rare to find somebody who would be that invested in understanding like where that money was going, what, what your, what publishing was. I mean, we still, it's funny talking to an artist and trying to explain to them, you know, what a PRO is, BMI, ASCAP, like what that's publishing. And you're like, well, yeah, but it's not. And this is the difference between that and the difference between uh, BMI and Warner Chapel. Right. I think a lot of them don't still don't really see the distinction Uh, explaining to them, why streaming can be, uh, you know, a viable uh, source of income as long as you're not signed to a major label who's taking a significant portion right. of that. Right. Well, that leads beautifully into a, a question that I wanted to ask you about. You you deal with these, a lot of them developing artists, young artists that are at various stages in their career. How do you how do you grow their base? How do you grow their audience? I mean, we know they've got socials and, you know, they've got all these great ways that they can connect with their, with their fans um, as a band, but as a management company, um, how do you help these artists to grow their base? You know, that's interesting. I think it, it depends on the artist a lot of the time. Um, you know, we, we've come into situations with artists that literally have nothing going on. And our attitude is it's going to take us a long time to get to the point where they're, they can even tour regionally. You know, I mean, it depends. And then we walk into it, you know, with artists who have already sort of started along that way. And I always tell Anthony, you know, I, I worked with a guy and his, his attitude was always, you know, management is 50 percent uh, uh, reactive, but 100 percent proactive. And so, you know, there's a lot of it is, is you know, you're always going to be trying to move the ball forward. Mm-hmm. But it, what gets it moving the, the quickest is always how you react to situations that you're put into. So for each artist, it's always going to be different. Um, social networking is a, is a big part of it as much as, you know, I wish it wasn't. But their their interactivity with the fans, you know, the, the, that breaking of the fourth wall is so crucial. In terms well, let, let, let me let me ask you, why do you say you wish it wasn't? Because I think that, you know, maybe it's the old, you know, old school guy in me is that I, I miss the days of, of you know, the, the myth History. of an, yeah, the myth of that artist. You know, we, we managed a band called Brand New for a while and. You know, the, the thing that was always so int- incredibly attractive to me, besides the music of that band, was the way that they didn't connect with their fans at all. Um, 
you know, they, they, they almost had no uh, online or social networking presence. Yet every time there was so much discussion, they would post something on their website, you know, just a photograph. And it would create so much of a stir that they didn't have to interact with their fans at all. They didn't have to sit there and post like, you know, what I had for lunch today or I'm walking, you know, I'm walking my dogs or, or whatever to create that kind of interaction. Um, but that's not, you know, 99% of the time, that's not the case. As an artist, you have to sit there and constantly be putting out that content. Now, some of that content can be amazing and interesting and cool, but mm -hmm. I think most of that content is just something so that people know you exist. Well, and you, you know, I, I, I think what I see working with artists in that capacity is a lot of them, this is another case of they need education. Yeah. There, 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 there's so many, and I will broaden this, there's just so many businesses in general, and a band is a business, that just think they need to post on social media because they're supposed to post on social media, so I'm posting on social media, but I don't know why I'm posting on social media, but everybody says I'm supposed to. And at the end, they're not doing anything really beneficial other than filling the channel with garbage. Yeah. And, and I think you're right. We have another band called Baby Baby out of Atlanta. And those guys, it's like they're savants or something. <laughs> it's amazing to watch them because their, their connectivity with their fan base is really, really significant and, and impressive. Um, and the stuff that they post is always so interesting and compelling. Mm. And, but it's also, there, there's almost no effort in it. It's effortless in a way. Right, so, right. Because, because because it's become part of who they are, right. and and it's, on top of that, they they it sounds like they have a very good understanding of who their fans are, to understand what their fans like, think, what 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 they're interested in. So you don't you don't give them the here's what I'm having for breakfast because nobody cares about that at the end of the day. I think that they are that what's what's working with that band, for example, is. They're just not. They're not trying. They're not trying. They're not overthinking it. They're they're just naturally creative. And you, I think that's sort of. There's two parts of, of, of this conversation. I think are important. Which is one is, are you you know actually being creative? Are you good at it? Do you find the person in the band who actually is good at it and put them in charge of it? And the other part is, and you touched on this, and there's another big part of everything. And John mentioned it as well is education. If you aren't hitting people, if you aren't doing a good job, if you're not finding that your social media is an important part of your of one of the legs of that uh, you're standing on there um, educate yourself find someone to do it for you have them walk you through it you know maybe you don't have to hire someone for the, for the rest of your life but if you bring on someone for a couple of months have you know they can audit your socials and we've seen this before where you know you, you, you actually get this report back and you go okay well we didn't think about that and a lot of it is just brutally dull stuff but it's the right hashtags and the right posting yes you can do it you can go overboard you can post you know 15 hashtags at the end of every post and it just looks like a sales pitch sure. um, but it, it, it is that education like finding out first of all you've got to be creative and then you've got to figure out how how you're going to um maximize that in the same way that to be successful in music first of all you've actually got to be good hopefully at writing songs and performing them and then you've got to figure out how you reach people you know, right, that, right. All these things require one, these so one and two steps. And social media. I agree. Yeah, and, and I think a lot of people they they miss kind of the golden rule, the 
uh, 80-20 rule, which some people call the 90-10 rule, and that is that you know your socials can't be buy my album, see my show, buy my album, see my show, bands in town, little clip. It's got to be a relationship, and I think the people who do it best you feel like you've got a relationship with them. They're not always trying to jam some product down your throat. That 80-20 rule, meaning that 80% of the posts are not selly. It's more about that relationship. It's more aspirational. It's more about uh, a lifestyle. And there are a lot of people like like Michael or like uh, Official Community or Blue Biscuit. There's tons of places that specialize in helping you find your voice and showing you best practices and maybe even, to your point, doing it for you or doing an audit uh, for a certain number of uh, weeks or months um, to really show you, because that's the beauty of all these insights that you mentioned before, not just Spotify, but if you're looking at Twitter and you're looking at you know Facebook, what's amazing about that is you can find so much information about, well, what am I posting that's engaging? What's actually working and what's not? And I think the people who do it best they have a relationship with their artists. They're posting things that their their fans, I'm sorry, their fans that are interested in, and that's how they do it right. Well, that touches on, on something that we've, we've been talking about a little bit lately, which is, you, you know, you, you put content out there, whether it's records, social media, and the way that a lot of these systems work, and especially Spotify is a good example, as is Instagram, that everything's based on algorithm, and everything is, you know, if, if you have something that fails, it might make the next thing even harder. And so if you fail too many times, it, it's going to decide that nobody's really interested in what you're doing, um, which is just more caution to be really careful about the content you're putting out. Um, a good point. We'd see it. You have to, you know, I'm, just when we're pitching Spotify, for example, as most, I'm sure, managers will do, you'll you do the, your special pitch to, their, to their, whoever's in charge of the genre trying to talk about the artist. And if all you can say is, well, the last four things we put out, you know, made maybe barely cracked a thousand spins, they're going to move on. You know, so it's better sometimes for us to, you know, to not even actively go after them, fly under the radar. It's the same thing. All of our businesses has, has, has sort of changed. I love the fact that the frontline and catalog thing is blurred now. The um, sales and promotion thing is blurred. It's all one system you know we don't worry about the first week i mean we do yeah we say we don't we call, call not like we used to no, but no we want, because we see you know the metrics on the second month the second year where things start to take off where it starts to roll into the system and now you have a viable base we have bands that haven't put out a record in two or three years and they're doing better we have one that's you know that's doing better than they've ever done because it's just happened to catch the right you know the right playlists and then people interact and they share and they like and all of a sudden you've got some success there and they didn't have to do anything. You know, you and you wonder, should we do anything or should we just don't do anything because it's working? You know, at, at, at the end of the day, and I've heard this mentioned a couple of times, it's, it's don't overcomplicate things. You know, you, 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 you have to have good content. And when I say content, I'm referring to whether it's a social media post or a song, because whether that, that social media post put you you keep putting them out and nothing happens then you ruin your ability to keep putting more content out down the road the same thing can apply to music and what i like to try and do is put it in a frame of mind that an artist might understand if you keep releasing bad singles eventually mm -hmm. nobody's going to listen to any of your singles and and your job is always to put out the best song you can 
And the same thing applies to what you post on your social media. You have to put out the best content you can. At the end of the day, whether it's Instagram, Facebook, all these algorithms are designed to basically reward good content. They are designed to force you to post good content. So don't just blurt out something that's a piece of crap content any more than you would just take that song you wrote while sitting in the bathroom and put two seconds into it and think that's going to be your first single. It's like, you know, you've got to put effort into putting quality, good material out there because the more you put out bad content, the harder it's going to be to get people to believe you can do anything good. Yeah, I would totally agree with that. I think for us, the 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 giant hurdle, because you know what you're saying is absolutely true, and it's always the, the kind of uh, that's the perspective we like to take. It's explaining that to an artist, right. <laughs> trying them to actually do that. Because again, you know this, and we all know this is that it's human nature to be like this thing that I just created in my bathroom that took me two seconds to write is literally the greatest thing that's ever been done. So I'm gonna, I need to put this out immediately. This quip that I just wrote uh, that uh, I find hilarious. And my mom just told me is just brilliant. This is the thing that I'm going to put out immediately without really taking the time and to consider, is it really the best song you've ever written? Is this really good content to post online um and so that's always our you know how do you how do you manage that part of it you know like <laughs> and it's a hard thing to do and i think you you it, it's an interesting thing for us with our younger clients like you know the the 21 to 23 it's almost just like it's second nature for them like we have yeah. one artist her name's plasmic and she's a um an electronic artist based out of Orange County. We found her. She's, I mean, it's literally the beginnings of, of, of a career, like super, super, super early. Um, and I, looking at her content, I, I just love looking at her Instagram page because everything she puts up is interesting. It's evocative. It's, get it. uh, you know, creative. She, you can see that she's putting the energy into what she's doing because I think she's just, she's, she's, uh, it's almost like just part of her experience. She wants it, yeah. It's part of her. She just wants to do it every day, versus another artist where you're like, boy, it's like pulling teeth to make you take yeah. one photograph. <laughs> right. And she probably yeah. grew up in that era. In that, you know. You know, it's it's harder when people you know you work with a heritage artist who they didn't grow up in that world. It was a whole different mindset. You know, I've got two teenage daughters. They totally get it. That's mm -hmm. the way they they communicate. Let me ask you about. You know, with with streaming, do you find when you score, you know, a, a nice playlist for one of your artists or they get featured in new release radar, discover weekly or something like that? Do you feel it's a meritocracy and it's based on the quality of the track or do you feel like it was really driven by, you know, fans adding it to their own personal playlist or some curator who took a chance or some press hit or something you got? I, I'd like to think it's, you know, I, I, unfortunately, I think it's both. I think that the, you know, there are a certain amount of slots that the, the distributors, the major distributors are going to get on the New Music Fridays. I don't think it's a simple case of everyone just sitting around tossing out tracks they like. Um, so 
you know, it's great to get New Music Friday because you know you're going to get, you know, two or three hundred thousand spin uh, streams right off the bat. The analogy that I always think and we try and try and explain to the artists when they don't get that and they get some other smaller ones is, you know, you can stand in Central Park and play music all day long. And you know mm -hmm. what? You're, you're going to reach millions of people that walk by. But those are not the people who are going to care. And so better is to if you can find a way into some smaller niche ones and build up from there. Those are people who will actually take the chance to listen to another song, because I think that you know, the double-edged sword of getting on some of those larger playlists is if you don't see a connectivity or if you don't see people um, doing anything from that song, whether it's looking, hearing, listening to another song, adding your song to a playlist, um, going to visit your profile, adding you on Instagram, doing all the things that hopefully come from having, you know, having people hear your song. If you don't see that, I think that's that's potentially a red flag flag for, uh, for Spotify. Yeah. Um, yeah. Conversely, if you're building up through the smaller ones, if you have, you know, the these little Americana playlists that may only have, you know, 10,000 or 20,000 or even less people, if you're getting consistency there, then you're setting yourself up for a good chance to actually not only get on one of those playlists on your next release, but have people interact with it as well. And I think we don't know the, the, the mysteries of inside Spotify. You know, it's uh, you talk to people. Who does? You try to get a little bit of insight. But it's the same thing with Spotify, with Pandora, with any of these companies, you know, trying to figure out what actually makes something happen. Because the standard response is, yeah, if people like it, they'll add it. And, you know, we'll see that. But <laughs> I, I'll still go back to, I mean, you, you have to have a song that's good and connect. I mean, it's, it's sure, the, sure. the fundamental. I mean, but sometimes you have good songs. I'm sure you guys have some good songs that haven't been added to playlists and it drives you crazy because... It's not always a meritocracy. It's not always based on the quality of the track. Yeah, and that's right. we're all just figuring this out. Not necessarily, yeah. I mean, we, that, that's why licensing comes in, into play as sure. being a significant driver for us. Again, you know, in the old days, you know, you'd be lucky if you got a license. And if you did, you know, I remember, I remember working with uh, a manager and she had some massive artists and they would just turn down stuff all the time. It used to be frowned upon. Remember yeah. Neil Young used to poke fun at it. Yeah. I mean, the, you know, the old Neil Young, you know, it's like, I'm never going to put my song in a commercial. That's unacceptable. Yeah, some artists get broken that way. Right. And now for us, it's like, that's, that's the Holy grail. You know, sure. want that yeah. Lowe's commercial. Make it <laughs> the driver for, for yeah. your, your, your streaming business. And, you know, th then that's a, a huge. Uh, it's a way of keeping your songs alive. You know, we don't. You know, you get added to that <clears throat> Vampire Diaries playlist. You know, three years after your record comes out, you're going to see a stream. You may even see other songs pick up. Um, I think for us, that's why we love the fact that there isn't such a you know such focus on the first week. Now that you know, it's it's basically put your record out and then start working it, as opposed to like let's hype up this thing that no one's actually heard yet. We yeah. put it then we roll with it. And that's kind True. of like yeah. the ethos of our entire existence is let's just, you know, wake up every morning, you know, pull your boots on and get to work. Yeah. That's yeah. real artist development, right? I mean, that's all we know. It's all we have. You know, we, if we find ourselves in a situation with a label and they've got hundreds of thousands of dollars to, to drop, then and they have a team of people we'll who take are engaged. It. Of course, there's nothing. I still, I say this all the time to bands. There's nothing, as great as when you have a major label where everybody's invested and everyone's at the table and everyone's excited and everyone wants to be on that yeah. ship. And there's nothing as bad as being on a major label where no one gives a crap, you know, and, and you basically not only yeah. 
nothing, but now you're stuck. No one cares. No one wants to put out your record. Right. They don't want to release you because, God forbid, something happens. And, Sorry, and they, they don't want somebody else to make a success. Oh, no, I've been on both good. sides of that fence. I get it. Yeah, it's tough. <clears throat> Artists, you know, and there was like it was Katy Perry or people like that, where they were on a label and they were dropped. And my first thought is like, you know, kudos at least to that label for dropping them and letting them go and be successful elsewhere because – and that's something I learned when I in publishing is I don't want to have a bunch of you know you know discontented writers on my roster. It looks bad. They're only talking about how bad we are to other people, especially these days. Yeah, rather let them go, be successful elsewhere, and maybe they have a yeah. great relationship, and maybe then they want to co-write with some of our other writers, and you know, karmically, if you will, things will work out better. Yeah. Well, where can people find you if they want to find out more about you and they want to explore? Where's the best? place for for people to find you uh candy shop management.com uh, i was going to say something facetious like that <laughs> uh, uh but candy shop management.com has got you know a list of you know basically the bands and um that has a you know that's that's really what it's about i mean we can work all day as hard as we can but it really comes down to the bands that's something we never forget is that you know we're to some degree entrusted with people's lives and their their career sure. Their yeah. art and dealing as as quasi not really art people, you know, we're dealing with their art and we're trying to find a way to gently help that get out. Some artists are different. Some artists you can have complete blunt focus conversations with, and some you have to just kind of understand that this is right. a creative thing and they're going to take it personally. So anyway, candyshopmanagement.com. Are are, are, are are you guys accepting submissions? Always. Okay. It's funny that you bring that. I mean, we, I think the last two, well, not plasmic we found, but a lot of them are come, come from, you know, people emailing us and, uh, we've discovered some really amazing stuff as a result of people, people soliciting us. Um, so yeah, we're always looking for artists. Uh, it's the best part of this biz is yeah. getting to find something. Mm -hmm. I, I don't think there's anything more rewarding than going, wow, I just found something. And I yeah, get to watch. Fi finding that find nugget. It, it, it's, it, it, you know, I, somebody I was reading, somebody had written a, um, an op-ed piece in Variety about the A&R needs to go back to being about going with your gut, um, not about the analytics, not looking for, you know, go back to that old school way of thinking, you know. And for us as managers, that's the only way we've ever thought, you know, I mean, we've always gone, we don't, we don't go based on, you know, how successful they are to the point that we discovered them. We go based on our gut only. Mm -hmm. um, and that, that I think is, is, uh, again, something that is getting lost a lot in this business. You know, you go, there's something about this band that we truly, truly believe in, regardless of whether they have any streams or they've ever toured a day in their lives or whatever. That's the exciting part for us. And so, yeah, send us your submissions. We'll actually listen to them. If you don't hear from us, it's because we don't like it. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, although, although you know, we, we, I'll find that one of us will usually dig into something and find it. You know, again, it's, it's a complicated process. But, you know, if we're not, if we're moved immediately, if something like strikes us, from whether it's the email or it's the or a video or, or the music, if something strikes us, there's a chance it's going to strike someone else. If it doesn't strike us, we're the wrong people for it, obviously. Awesome. This was a great conversation. Thank Thanks you for taking the time, guys. Yeah, it's yeah. Really was, interesting. The, the, I mean, this is one of these where it's like, man, I wish I wish our show was like two hours long because we could have 
delved into so many of these smaller topics in great. Oh no, depth. we've literally that we have no other knowledge about anything else. We've exhausted <laughs> it. <laughs> it, 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 it. For us, if we want, if if you wanted to, we could we could do this all day. Yeah. If you want, that's yeah. all we can and do is that we just sit on the phone and yell at it. All <laughs> right, right, and talk yeah. about. Nice. That's me and Michael too. Oh, it was great having this coffee talk with you guys, man. That was really interesting. Thanks for taking Thank the time. You. Thank you for having us. We're, we're always happy to do it again if you want to have a part two. <laughs> All right. Awesome. Thank we'll you, take guys. You All right. Thanks, guys. Thank um, that was that was a great conversation. Yeah. Um, you know, you can you can definitely tell those guys have have been it. They've done it, but they really care about. And this has been said so many times in that interview: educating their artists. And that's something we've preached for a long time. Um, it's so important. Um, it's not the old days of the record business where maybe some artists were kept in the dark, right? Now you want to be as informed as possible. And with all these things that we talk about all the time, whether it's just the insights that are provided, but just educating yourself with a podcast like this or just going to HypeBot and looking at the stories of the day. There's so many ways you can educate yourself, and, and I like the fact that they're educating their artists. Yep, yeah. You know, educate yourself to learn where the money's going and coming from. Yeah. And at the end of the day, it's your money. Find out where 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 it's getting split. All the, little, yeah. all the fingers that have a piece of it. And there's nothing the wrong with, with all those fingers in there, but you need to know what they are. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. All right, that that that's it. Another big shout out to hypebot.com. Head over there for all of your news. It's updated every day with something new. Speaking of educating yourself, that's one of the resources. Follow that every it's a good day. One. Yep. Um that's it. Music Biz Weekly Podcast. We are out of here. See you next week. <laughs>